Uh, it's theology and film. I, we do this annually. We do it in June. Um, and the purpose is really to connect us to the narratives that surround us. I mean, humans are storytelling people. This is how we understand who we are, our identity, our place in the world. It's through story. It's how we communicate our most important values, right? Our moral identity. Where, what's our life about? What, why am I here? Where am I headed? It's through story. The Bible is not a list of rules. It's a set of stories that help shape who we are as individuals and as a community, right? Well, the most powerful stories surrounding us are in television and film. That's what most of us do, right? I, maybe not anymore. Maybe now it's like TikTok videos. I, I don't know. But for me, I think for most of you in the room, given the demographic, it's not TikTok. <laughs> it's VHS tapes. No, I'm sorry. Um, that was low. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's Redbox. No. Uh, so most of you, uh, right, we're, wa we're, we're watching TV shows. We're watching movies. I'm sorry. I can see the glares. That was... Um, how, as Christians, do we engage these stories, right? How do we... What lens can we bring to them so that the stuff that we are engaged with actually can fill our souls, can teach us something, can help us become better humans? Because I really believe they can, right? Uh, not everything. There's, there's like junk out there, but there's a lot of really, really good stories to engage with, to help shape us. So that's what we've been doing. So last Sunday, we watched Everything Everywhere All at Once. Well, we watched the movies on Thursdays, and I show you clips on Sundays, right? Um, this Thursday, if you want to come, 5.30, we have dinner provided. We're going to watch uh, Women Talking. So that will be the movie for this upcoming sermon so Thursday we watch the movie, Sunday we do it. Last Sunday, everything, everywhere, all at once. Just let me give you a synopsis because it's going to connect to today. The main lead, Evelyn, she's in despair. She's in despair because she regrets her life. She regrets her decision. She regrets the fact she left China to marry someone who's poor, who runs some rundown laundromat. She blames him for her unhappiness. But of course, we know that the real issue is that she feels unhappy with herself and she doesn't know how to deal with that, so she blames her husband. She blames her daughter, that her daughter's a disappointment. So she regrets her life and she falls into despair. And the movie, from my perspective, sort of turns on this phrase, nothing matters. Her daughter, Evelyn's daughter, uses it as kind of a nihilistic call. I've gone down all these alternate universes. I've been down all these alternate roads, and nothing matters. It's all crap. Who cares? So she creates an everything bagel, a black hole that sucks everything into it. It's great. But there's this, this switch that happens in the movie where nothing matters becomes a term of hope. Like Evelyn... Nothing matters. And something snaps like, yeah, like all of those choices I made that led me to where I am, all of those regrets I have, those don't matter because they're not real. They're hypothetical realities. This is the only one that exists. Let it go. All the stuff that, about your daughter that bothers you, that she's gay, that she has a tattoo, that she doesn't work hard enough, nothing matters. Let it go. Right? And we tried to connect it to the story of Jonah. Like, Jonah, all the anger you feel towards Nineveh, all the reasons you're angry with Nineveh, it doesn't matter. Let it go. The bitterness we hold on to, the anger we feel, what are we really mad about? Let it go. And all of a sudden, you're free. Like, nothing matters. It's okay. I'm okay. 
You learn how to love the skies you live under. You learn how to love your life because everything you need to be happy, everything you need to flourish is right here in this life right in front of you. I promise. Everything you need to flourish is here in this room right in front of you. Do we believe that? Can we accept that? So let go of your regret. Let go of all the hypothetical selves you could have been and live in the reality of who you are in this moment because that's the only one that's real. Okay, so today we're gonna, we're gonna talk about a man called Otto. If you have not read the book, it's wonderful, a man called Ove, it's actually Swedish, uh, and this is sort of the American ad- adaptation of it. I, don't, I, don't, I can't read in Swedish. They translated the book into English, don't worry, you can get an English version. It's, it's wonderful. And we're gonna talk about despair again because in this case now, Otto is in despair. His wife, Sonia, the love of his life, has died six months earlier of cancer. But before that, she was in a wheelchair because of a horrible bus accident that occurred when she was pregnant. So their unborn child died, she became paralyzed, and they were never able to have children. And now she is gone. And so he finds himself in his late 60s, alone, and in despair. And so in that despair, the movie really wrestles with suicide. Like he, he wants to join his wife and he wants to take his own life. I want to connect this story to Ruth and more importantly to Naomi. So our scripture today comes from Ruth chapter 1. For those that don't know the context, there's a famine in Israel And so Ruth and her husband and her two sons have to leave. So they leave Israel and they go to a new land, right, where there's not famine. They are outsiders and they are outcasts. And in the midst of this new land, her sons, Naomi's sons, marry foreign daughters. If it's not hard enough to be a mother-in-law or a daughter-in-law, imagine now your sons are marrying like, Folks that you harbor bitterness and resentment towards, right? So that's where Naomi's at. She's in a land she doesn't belong to, not because she wants to, but because of famine. And her daughters have had the, or her sons have had the audacity to marry women from this new land. If that were not enough, hear these words. But Abimelech, Naomi's husband, died. Then only she was left along with her two sons. They took wives for themselves, Moabite women. The name of the first was Orpah, and the name of the second was Ruth. And they lived there for about 10 years. But both sons died. Malon and Shilion. Only the woman was left without her two children and without her husband. Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go, turn back each of you to the household of your mother. May the Lord deal faithfully with you just as you have done with the dead and with me. May the Lord provide for you so that you may find security, each woman in the household of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept together. But they replied to her, no, instead we will return to you to Israel to be with your people. Naomi replied, turn back my daughters, Why would you go with me? I'll skip ahead a little bit. Would you refrain from having a husband? 
No, my daughters, this is more bitter for me than for you since the Lord has come against me. The Lord has come against me. And if I were Naomi, I'd feel that way too. So she falls, I mean, I don't know how else to describe that except despair, like hopelessness, like leave, get away from me, go back to your, why would you stay with me? Go find other husbands, you're young, right? You don't belong, you're a mobile, you don't, why would you go to Israel? God has turned against me. And so Naomi, despair, auto, despair, what does it look like to live in that reality? Because we're not exempt. It's one of the human experiences. I wish it weren't, but it's like falling in love or having your breath taken away by a sunset or being moved to tears by a song. Despair is a fundamental human experience. You will experience loss. You will feel alone. Deep grief and sadness is part of what it means to be human. And we don't want to talk about it, and we don't want to figure out how to deal with it. But luckily, there's movies like A Man Called Otto, and there's books in the Bible like Ruth that say, no, you're going to confront it. All right. So the first clip, uh, Otto is, uh, he's gone to the hardware store. He's purchased a length of rope. He's fashioned a noose. He is, uh, that, I mean, this is it. This is how he's going to join his wife. He's decided but uh, he's also a cantankerous fellow, a rule follower, a teetotaler. Every day he does rounds. He like marches up and down the street to make sure every car has their pat, like they, they have a little, uh, you know, thing saying, hey, it's okay for me to park here. Do they have it? Is it displayed? Did, it, did any dog poop get left around or pee? <laughs> uh, did people put recycling in the right containers? Does aluminum go with, right? He's the guy that he does his rounds every morning to check on his neighbors. He wants, and he, like, you're going to hear about it, right? So here he is about to uh, take his life, and he looks out the window, and he sees his new neighbors trying to parallel park a trailer, and he has no idea what he's doing. So then he's like, oh, so he, he, I guess I can delay this for a little while, and he marches out, right? And uh, he has to park the trailer for them, right? Marches back. And before he can get on with his business, his new neighbors uh, want to thank him. So watch the clip. Three shelves. How many more boxes of books do you have? Seven or eight. And I'll build you another bookcase. I'll build you another bookcase. Hi. Hey. Hi. Auto. Right? Auto. Yeah, that's what I said. No? Okay, okay. What did I it say? It doesn't matter what you said. Auto. O-T-T-O. Ah. Auto. 
Otto. Otto. Oh, okay, so it's the same forward that is backwards. No, it's not. Otto. Otto. It's Otto. Mm. It's just you don't hear that name Otto. very often. Uh -huh. I do. Okay. If we're interrupting, we can always come back. What is it you want? I brought you some food. Why? Because you looked hungry. Yeah, that's why we go so well together. She loves to cook and I like to eat <laughs> everything. <laughs> anyway, we just, uh, we wanted to properly introduce ourselves because, you know, we're going to be neighbors and everything. So, yeah. okay. So. Okay. Okay. Bye. My name is Marisol. And I'm Tommy. Otto. Are you always this unfriendly? I'm not unfriendly. I'd say you're a little unfriendly. I'm not unfriendly. You're a poquito I sick. am not. No? Okay, you're not. No, 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 no. You're not unfriendly. Every word you say is like a warm cuddle. It really is. Enjoy it. <laughs> what is it? It's be careful with the salsa, please. It's um, it's pollo con mole. It's really good. It's a Mexican dish. I'm Mexican. Bueno, no. I was born in uh, El Salvador because my father is from there, but my mom is Mexican, so we went to first Mexico and then. And you? And I'm an IT consultant. I was. No, que de dónde eres también? Está preguntando. Oh, I'm from Anaheim. From Anaheim. Anaheim, yeah. yeah. El Paso. Okay, well, I have some things I need to do. Hey, excuse me, Mr. Otto. You wouldn't have an Alvin wrench I could borrow, would you? You mean an Allen wrench? This? No, an Alvin, Alvin wrench. It's Allen wrench. It's Allen wrench, right? It's Allen wrench. It's Alvin. Right? All morning, Alvin wrench. Everybody else I know calls it an Alvin wrench. Everybody else you know is wrong. Sorry. You want to go? Google it. Give me your phone. No, my phone. You use your phone. Do you know what size you need? Ah, just the, the usual size. Take the set. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Okay. We go because you have things to do. Just so you're aware. <clears throat> Uh, I'm Tommy all the time, so I'm the husband. Alvin, that seems right to me. That wasn't right. Alan Wrench is coming more than one size. Anyway, he eventually falls off a ladder and breaks his arm. It's wonderful. Uh, I, I, basically, if you like, Otto's relationship with Tommy is like my relationship with like Al Dietz and Chuck and Jeff. They just like roll their eyes like, what? So here, here's this person, obviously grumpy. He was never super warm, but since his wife's death, even more isolated. Uh, and these pesky neighbors, you know, just want to bring you some food. So I have a question. So here's my, my question. I want you to speculate. Um, and you get, this is the participatory part, right? Um, why do you think Otto is in despair? Why... Why does he want to take his own life? Like, what's, what's playing the role? Why? What's he going through? What do you think? 
Yeah. Like, what do I have? Right? What's left? What else? Yeah. So depends. So much of like, basically, her love um, gave his life meaning, and taking care of her because she was in a wheelchair gave him purpose, right? So there's a when she's gone, it feels like so much of that's been stripped. You, someone said over here loneliness, right? Just just being very lonely. Like no, it doesn't matter if I live or die. Who would even care? I'm all by myself. It doesn't matter. What else? Yeah, Liz. Yeah, yeah. Why, why, and why, how could it? She's never coming back. I have no hope. Yeah. Um, I feel like he doesn't know what his part of the community is. Like he's doing all this stuff and it makes it known who he is, but he doesn't realize that he's impacting other people's lives or his part. Yeah, for better word, he feels disconnected. He, he does this stuff out of habit, but it's not like he doesn't feel human connection. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, the most positive spin is, like, I'm alone, I feel all the things we've been talking about, and that will all end when I take my life and I can be with you. I'll be connected to you again in some way, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think there's something about despair. Well, not just despair, but one feature of it is that we start to believe the illusion that it is forever. It is permanent. I will always feel this way. It will always hurt like this. And the reality is nothing is permanent. And that's not joy, not happiness, not my life, not my age, not, not my body. Nothing stays the same. It is all changing this very moment. And if we can accept that, it can give hope. But it's hard to believe it. It just feels like it's just that this is going to be, I'm going to feel this way forever. Yeah. Yeah, Jen. We're going to watch another clip in just a minute. If you, I don't know if it's up or you want to cue it. Just um. So I'm guessing there are many people here, and, and many of you are probably not contemplating suicide. Like, it's not to that extent. But let me, let me try to put it in a context that maybe does hit home. 
he has a diminished sense of purpose. I wonder if any of you feel like that, like when you retire, when your body starts to age and you can't do what you used to do. What good am I to anyone? Am I a burden to my, to my children? Uh, I can't drive at night anymore. Um, like, I'm not productive. I'm alone a lot. Uh, my spouse has died, or I'm divorced, and I live alone. Um, I feel like I'm floundering. I feel disconnected. Am I hitting it close to home for any of you? Because it hits home for me, not all the time, but I, like that, these are real feelings. This is not foreign to us, correct? Like feeling and going through times of deep grief, loneliness, purposelessness. What good am I to anyone? Would anyone really care? What would really change if I wasn't here? I wish I could spare you such feelings, but it's part of being human. Your choice is not to not feel it. Your choice is, when I experience these things, will I find healthy ways to deal with them or unhealthy ways? Unhealthy ways. I'm going to drink a lot by myself. Uh, I know that I probably should engage, but I'm going to isolate instead because no one's going to care if I show up or not. I know none of you ever say that to yourself. Um, I'm going to listen to sad songs and watch sad movies and be alone. Or I'm going to do the very difficult and very unnatural and very hard thing when I feel like that, and I'm actually going to talk about it, and I'm going to reach out, and I'm going to have a counselor, I'm going to have friends, and I'm going to come to church, and I'm going to figure out what it means to think about other people and not just myself. Because despair really makes you self-focused, right? Otto only can see his own pain. He can't see the people around him. Maybe one of the best ways is trying to think about how can I impact other people today, right? That's hard because what I want to do is, is like have a pity party. That's, that's normal. That's what I want to do. So you can't avoid these feelings, but you can say, what are, what are healthy outlets for my despair versus the unhealthy ones that come so natural, that come so easily. So we're going to watch the second clip. Uh, he has not given up. So he is really bad at dying. He's tried many times. He's tried this and that. Uh, he goes to the, to the subway, the train platform, and someone has a heart attack and falls in front of him. So then he's got to save that person. You know, the hook for the noose breaks. Uh, I mean, like, just, he, Mouty Soul won't leave him alone, interrupting. He's got the exhaust from his car. She's banging on the garage door, right? So you're going to see now um, he has, he has a, a, a gun, and you'll see a, a, a vision of his younger wife. So each time when this happens, when he gets into this place, he begins thinking about his wife when she's younger, their marriage, when they were in love. And she is talking to him about when the accident happened and she lost their child, right? So she's going to say something that's related to that, but it's also very much related to what he's going through in this moment as a 68-year-old man. So... You're angry. I know. <laughs> 
and sad. So am I. But now we have to live. I'm sorry, I, I I didn't mean to. I'm, I'm not gonna shoot you. What was that noise? Uh, the generator blew and the power is out. What do you want? It's freezing. I was hoping you might let me crash on your couch for the night. This is not a hotel. No. I'm sorry. Why can't you go home? My dad kicked me out. There's a sofa you can use. Don't go into the dining room. The ceiling needs repair. It's upstairs in Sony's old study. So why did he kick you out? Because you're Malcolm now? Yeah, because I'm Malcolm. Because I dress like this. I read too much, I don't like sports. Take it back. He's embarrassed because I'm trans. And he's an idiot. This is you. Try not to touch anything. Okay. Morning. Uh, power's still out, so I figured I'd cook up the last of eggs while they're still good. Hope you don't mind. I have to do my rounds. Don't you at least want some coffee first? Yes. There you go. Uh, some eggs? I wouldn't say no. All right. Jimmy. Malcolm. Nice to meet you. Oh, thanks. Yes. Yes. Hey, Otto, if you want to yes. slow down, we can, because my beats are up. Yes. 
Don't look now. Don't look now. Looks like maybe there's some other people that could, could use you around. Maybe there's some, maybe there's some, uh, maybe there's some hope left after all. And so begins this human connection, the heart opening slowly, ever so slowly softening for Otto. And um, he recognizes his need for other people. And maybe more importantly, that other people need him. And in my mind, this is what the church is here for. This is why we exist. It's so that you are not alone and that I am not alone. It's that we can come and find connection with one another, a place to get outside of my own head and my own selfishness and my own wallowing to recognize how much I need you and I know that you need me, how much you have to offer me and I have to offer you, that together we create a kind of loving community that gives a deep sense of meaning and purpose and love and support, a place to take our hurt and our sad and our loneliness. That's why we are here. And so Otto learns this lesson, right? So there are some unhealthy ways to deal with despair, but there are some pretty healthy ways to deal with it. There are some pretty loving ways to deal with it. Like Malcolm needs you. Marisol needs you. Tommy needs you. They're kids. Because Marisol doesn't give up, man. You talk about a bulldog. She won't leave him alone. She can tell he's upset. She makes him talk about his wife. She forces him to do it. He won't do it. She just won't let go. She asks him, why do you still hang up her coats? I'll help you put them away. What happened? What did you love about her? And you can just feel how uncomfortable, but she won't let go. She wrangles him into babysitting her kids. Could you imagine leaving your kids with him? She does it. Because you know, I don't care how grumpy you are, you get around a couple of eight-year-old girls uh, smiling at you and playing, you know, make-believe, and suddenly your heart's warm, right? It's soft. So here's, here's the interesting thing. I'm talking to a group of people that showed up here today. See, I'm talking to a group of people who knows that when you feel this way, this is where you belong, right? So it's hard, because you want to know who I want to be talking to? Everyone who woke up today and was like, I should probably go to Collister. And then they were like, I don't want to go. And they hit snooze, because you, right? Like, but who, like, who will even miss me? Will anyone even know? But I can't talk to them, because they're not here. The people that need to hear it aren't here. You all already know. That's why you showed up. So, here's your challenge. I need you to be Marisol. I need you to go banging on people's doors. I'm being serious. Otto doesn't do it on his own. He's not going to, like, just realize it and figure it out. Someone had to, like, stick their foot in the door when, she, when he was going to close it. That's what, that's what we need pushers. Here's the hard part. I'm not a pusher. By nature, I'm like, I just leave people alone. I would, I would never make Otto talk about his pain. I would never keep pushing because knowing in my mind, like, he's got to talk about this. I would never, I would just leave you alone. But I got to figure out how to be a pusher because there are people you know right now sitting at home by themselves, watching television, watching the news, getting more angry and more depressed. This second, bang on their door. Call them, text them. Be Marisol. Be Chris Johnson. Chris Johnson's a pusher. He pushes me in the best way. He pushes. Hey, I got Afghans. You want to come? I'm going to have dinner. You want to come? My wife pushes. She won't let me go to my cave. She pushes. We need pushers. 
That's what people need. Not, not in a mean way, in a loving way. You want to know else who needed a pusher? Naomi. So she says, go. Go, Ruth. Go, Orpah. Go back. Don't come with me. You need to find husbands of your own. Don't come with me. But I want you to hear what Ruth says in response. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to abandon you, to turn back from following you. Wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do this to me, and more so even if death separates me from you. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined, she stopped speaking about it. <laughs> Naomi said, uncle, you win. I'll let you love me. Otto said, Marisol, you win. I will let you love me. We have people in our lives that we need to twist till they cry uncle and they will say, okay, I will let you love me. So my challenge to you is to be Marisol. It is to be Ruth. It is to go to the lonely places of despair to remind people of how much they are matter, how much they are worth, how much purpose and meaning they have left, how much this despair will not last, that life will get the last word, not death, right? Hope will get the last word, not despair, but you have to be the voice of God because the Holy Spirit's too darn quiet. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is just too quiet sometimes. Amen? Amen? All right. So listen, we're going to come to the table. We're going to take communion. And we're going to do it reminding ourselves that we're one body. We're one loaf. And it's not the perfect body of Christ. It's the messed up, crumbly, crumbs everywhere, broken body. Just we're all a mess. And together... We bring our broken pieces so that we, in love, become one. We become a community. We become a place of hope. And we don't do it in our own efforts, right? We do it because the Holy Spirit calls us, because Christ calls us, because Christ opens our arms and says, all of us are welcome at this table. All of us are welcome at this banquet feast. So when we take it, we remind ourselves. But man, how many autos are out there? Like our loaf isn't complete because there's so many of those broken pieces that are alone. There's so many of those broken pieces that need someone to knock on their door. Like Malcolm. Like Marisol. Like Ruth. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, broke it, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said,